that old thing. That's right, everybody. We're back for another edition of Golazzo, having a chat about Calcio, old and new. Uh, today, alongside myself and James Horncastle. Hey, Jimbo. We've got Richard Hughes. Hi, James's. Restaurateur, former pro, now working at Bournemouth Recruitment. That's right. And also uniquely, I think, among former Scottish internationals, a man who learned his trade at Zingonia, the legendary Atalanta training ground. Yeah, I was the only the only Scot there, the only the only Brit that was there in uh, uh, in the nineties. It was uh, a really good upbringing. Yeah, very interesting. Colourful, All right, but very good. So you were living in Milan. Your family were there. Yeah, and you got headhunted by Atlanta or, or how did it work? Yeah, it's actually, um, I actually ended up signing for Milan the year before, um, but I ended up crying every time my dad tried to bring me there and I was uh, I was 11 at the time, so it's to Milanello. borderline forgivable. It was at Linate, you know, the, the, ah, the, yeah, okay. the other one that they had, so uh, the, the training ground there. What, I, what, what upset you so much about Milan? Uh, <laughs> I was actually a Milan fan, so I don't know. I think it was, I was a shy boy and I wanted to play with my mates. That was, right. and, and just the local team was uh, was enough. When you go to a team like Milan, you got the badge and you got the amount of people and it's very official and it just didn't seem fun to me. It seemed very, very strict. It was, even my experience at Atalanta later on was, uh, was exactly that. Um, but for that, um, I think my dad tried in vain for two weeks every day to bring me in. Every day I refused to get out of the car. So he had to go and make the apology to the to the manager and say, try again tomorrow. Uh, and then he gave up, quite rightly, after two weeks. So I went back to my local team and I enjoyed playing my football for, for another year. And uh, and then Atalanta uh, came calling. And uh, that, this time my dad was not taking no for an answer. So I tried the same trick as well. I tried to cry <laughs> my way. The aforementioned uh, Titi Savaldi was, was very good. And uh, um, he was very compassionate in the way he, he dealt with me at the time. And, mm. and that uh, allowed me to, to go in and, and stay in. Yeah, I remember meeting you. When would that have been? Ninety-five or so? Yeah, I would have been there by about two or three years, and I remember it vividly when um, you came to pick me up from from school to do the to right. the TV program, which was um, uh, in Milan and not in a day of uh, social media. I knew very little about, and uh, and James, you made me famous because when I came back uh, from my summer holidays, uh-huh. people recognised me. No so, way! Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, so and I'm glad and I, somebody got something. Out of it. <laughs> <laughs> we, you're obviously always more famous, and uh, uh, but yeah, so that was um, my my first taste of fame. So I was right. about fourteen, fifteen, and uh, I didn't really know how big the program was. Yeah, um, and must uh, have been a disappointment when you came back. Yeah, you see the good times back at Atalanta as well. Yeah, they, aren't they though? Aren't they? Though? Well, thank you so much for coming in, Richard. My pleasure. Uh, and uh, you know, illegally parking in, in classic <laughs> Italian fashion. So right. Were you spotted by Mino Favini then, who's the legendary no. talent scout? No, no, I wasn't. Mino came in, uh, or, or, or uh, Maestro Favini, as it was, uh, not Mino uh, at the time. He he came in around about the same time as as I did. Uh, so there was actually changes going on in the in the youth team structure, the academy structure at that time. So um, by the time I could remember who the the boss was of the of the academy, it was Mino Favini. But mm. he he had come in afterwards. Um, so he didn't spot me. The scouts, uh, very good, extensive scouting network that Atalanta had at the time, and probably still do, um, just because teams like Milan and Inter would sort of get players by in bulk, whereas Atalanta would be a little bit more selective, pick the good ones of the of the crop. That was the the key to them. So I got through the net somehow, and uh, Amino Favini was the, the boss of the the Settore Giovanili for as long as I was there. Did you not have Cesare Prandelli there as of well? Of course, yeah. Cesare Prandelli was there. He was my last Atalanta manager uh, when he was uh, the manager of the Primavera. I had this aura about him. He was um, uh, not like other coaches, even though he was a lot 
younger back then, but he still, uh, you still knew that he was the uh, the manager that you wanted to impress when you're coming through the youth teams, and and he was very very good. It was obvious to me then, even though my uh, sort of tactical acumen wasn't what it then became, learning the game as you go along, um, but in no small part. Um, everything I've I've learned in uh, in terms of tactics was down to one year only with Cesare Pandelli. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Just got sacked. Oh, I mean, basically every job he's taken after the Italy one mm. has gone badly for him. Um, you know, Galatasaray, Valencia, and then he was just out with Al Nasra, I think, in oh, yeah? in the Gulf. Um, I still think he's a very good manager, um, but uh, yeah, a bit of a surprise that his career's taking a bit of a hit. On the subject of former Italy managers, uh, we should uh, salute Azelia Vaccini, who uh, news came this Wednesday morning, has passed away at the age of 84. Uh, boss, of course, of the Azzurri, in, uh, took them to the semi-finals in Euro 88, and most famously, I guess, Italia 90, where a lot of us who fell in love with that kind of classic Azzurri combination of silk and steel that, that was that Azzurri side, all the way to that semi-final with Argentina, and he was the the man patrolling the sidelines there. Yeah. What a classic side that was! You had Baggio, Berti, Bergomi, Totoski, Lachi. Well, Viali couldn't get off the bench. Yeah, could Viali he? couldn't get off the bench. Yeah, people yeah. like Giannini as well. Mm. Yeah. Mancini were there, so what a choice. Well, that was the old school way with the Italian national team. Was that um, I think with Vicini, he was the under twenty one coach for a long, long time, and uh, you look at the generation that he actually brought through. I think his um, under-21 team at the Euros in 86, you know, they had the likes of uh, Zenga, Viali, Mancini, Giannini, Donadoni, Ferri, and that was and Marco Baroni. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. the, uh, the 40-year-old goalkeeper? Did he win it? Did he win the Euros? I think... Uh, Italy almost always won the, the... I think, and I don't want to be stupid, but I think they won five out of seven editions well, yeah. of the uh, under-21 European Championships. Yeah. Those were the days. Until they stopped. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Atlanta are having success, though, aren't they? Very much so, yeah. Yeah, poof. particularly in Europe and in the semi-finals of the Coppa Italia. And indeed, last night they took on Juventus in Bergamo at the Atleti Azzurri uh, in thick fog in classic Bergamo fashion. James, you watched the game? I tried to through the fog. Through the fog. Yeah. It was fantastic. I, I like to see that kind of thing. And it was a natural. It wasn't the flares, the homogeny or anything. It was genuine uh, low-lying cloud. Uh, it saw uh, an early goal from Higuain, the only goal of the game, but it also, perhaps more importantly, saw the return of Gigi Buffon. Two days ago, he celebrated his 40th birthday. He made his first appearance in two months. And when Papu Gomez stepped up to take what would have been an equalising penalty for Atalanta, he did this. In questa semifinale d'andata... Dal limite dell'area di rigore, Gomez, Buffon, mi dice no. Yes, Buffon anti-Nebbia headline there on the Gazetta this morning, celebrating the hero of a 1-0 win for Juve in this first leg of the Coppa Italia semi-final. He saved everything, even Papu Gomez's penalty. That's incidentally the 20th penalty save of his career and it means that you've have only conceded one goal in 14 matches pow yeah do you know who the first penalty uh, was against who he saved from do you know rich i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna get, get we have to guess don't we well, ronaldo that i think he was did the save second. a ronaldo twice penalty, yeah. saved two penalties from ronaldo oh did he yeah yeah the first was from oliver bierhoff oliver bierhoff yeah. udinese or, or milan udinese bierhoff, i think yeah mm-hmm. Uh, there's another Coppa Italia semi-final coming up on Wednesday evening. It is Milan against Lazio. Uh, this is uh, just days again after Milan had that 2-1 win over Lazio, the big Sunday evening uh, match. That's Milan's third straight win, no? Yeah, unbeaten in five games now. And, Crikey. Uh, with, with Roma and Inter falling away, is mm. there a chance? I mean, 
I mean, the way Milan are um, sort of galvanised under Gattuso, because they're not they're still not playing particularly well. Um, you know, they they're they're beginning to go places, and it's funny that they haven't signed anyone in January. But finally, the players that they signed in the summer feel like cliche new signings. Right, you know, Bonucci, Bilia, Chalanoglu, uh, Chalanoglu as well, right. and you know the guy who they didn't spend any money on. Who lit up the start of the season? Cutrone mm. you know, is keeping Kalinic and Andre Silva. Well, he was hitting the headlines for all sorts of reasons <laughs> on Monday morning because his what was the winning goal from him uh, turned out to have been scored with his elbow, mm. uh, which VAR failed to pick up. Uh, yeah, Simone and Zaghi very uh, unhappy about that, although sort of recognised that it was the sort of goal that his brother used to score all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Inzaghi has been one of the most outspoken critics, one of the many critics in Italy of VAR and this led to more uh, arguments if you will which dominated uh, a lot of the well, the Atalanta fans on uh, Saturday night um, they had a goal disallowed by VAR and the Atalanta fans were was, um, singing uh, VAR fanculo VAR fanculo <laughs> we'll, we'll bleep that bit out but yeah did they sing it to the tune of the old Marco Massini hit from the early 90s All right, what else was in the papers this week? Well, loads of stuff about TV deals, elections, and, of course, it being the end of the transfer window, transfer talk, and the biggest transfer story, without doubt, the fact that Pietro Pellegri, who Juventus was supposedly about to sign from Genoa, 16-year-old teen sensation, has actually gone to Monaco instead. Gazette have a big thing on, on Tuesday, ruminating on this. He's the new Bobo Vieri, so why has Italy lost out on him? And the conclusion about 16 columns later, is Monica have actually got a load of money right now and they offered <laughs> double what Juventus could. Actually, by the next day, Gazette had come up with a, an entirely different explanation and that's the fact that uh, Juve have the other team prodigy set up, Moise Kane. In fact, there are only two players born this millennium to have scored braces in the top five European divisions. One is Pellegrini. The other one, as of this weekend... Is Moise Kane? Yeah. Ups- no relation to David, of course. But- <laughs> no. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, upset at Fiorentina. Mm. 4-1 win. A huge win for, for Hellas, who are in quite some trouble. Kept Fabio Pecchia in a job. But, uh, yeah, uh, Mino Raila, his agent, was talking yesterday and saying that uh, if Pellegri is worth what, 21 million, then uh, Kane is already worth 75. Um, remember, in order to get his uh, him to sign a new contract at Juventus, uh, his dad famously asked that uh, they they give him the tractors Juventus promised him because he's a farmer right. back in Ivory Coast. So. That shouldn't be a problem because, of course, they have a tractor factory, don't they, Juventus? Yeah. They literally do. Well, apparently, he'd been lobbying the Agnelli since 1993 for, oh. these, for, for tractors. This is even yeah, seven years before Kane was born. Right. And they still haven't given him his tractors. So, you know. Right. Step up, <laughs> Juve. <laughs> give him the farming equipment. Um that's remarkable, isn't it? He is owned by Juventus, but he's been parked at uh, Verona to uh, grow his bones, yeah. as an expression that doesn't translate terribly he's, well into English. He scored twice, even though he had eight touches all game. Wow. So you, you, I mean, it's a bad team, and yet he's still managing to score goals, which is impressive. I saw him at White Hart Lane in pre-season, oh, yeah? beginning of the season, and uh, he was very impressive in, in that company. And then when I was looking forward to seeing him at, at Verona, but the, the poor start, the poor team that James is alluding to there, I don't think helped show him in the best light mm. until... Recently, at uh, uh, Mino, good old Mino, will uh, definitely be uh, championing everything good that he does. So we'll hear about it. That's for sure. Fine, five goals so far. Mm. He's only seventeen. 
Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, Moise Kane. Uh, what happened this weekend then, apart from Verona getting that win at Fiorentina? Well, I mean, you mentioned uh, the fact that Pellegrini has gone to, to France, Kane scoring the goals, also Couturone. These are all players who can play for Italy. So there's a really good generation of, of strikers coming through, much needed. And, and Couturone um, getting, well, starting off what was a, a big win for Milan, um, which it was the first time they'd beaten a team in the top seven um, this season. They'd lost every game against their rivals for their title, which you know they were put in that conversation at the start of the campaign after the 220 million they spent in the summer um, for the Champions League and you know now for the Europa League, if you like. So um, yeah, it looks like Milan are beginning to turn things around there. Mm. Roma could do with the turnaround. Another defeat for them this time against uh, Sampdoria. Days after their midweek draw with the Doriani at the Blue Cerchiati, Benevento lost 3 0 at Torino. Been doing wonderfully after uh, Walter Mazzari uh, took over there. Inter 1 1, a relegation threatened Spal. That's now nine games without a win for Spalletti's side. And as we mentioned, Atalanta doing ever so well. Uh, a 3 0 win against Sassuolo. Impressive. Very. Yeah, yeah. And after a, a, a tough start in Serie A because perhaps the distractions of uh, of the Europa League, etc., etc., um, they've hit some some really good form recently. Um, if they hadn't given themselves so much to do, they could have been in uh, the equation that we're trying to put Milan in in terms of competing for the Champions League place. Yeah. Um, huge credit has to go to Gasperini, who's allowing them to play with uh, tactical versatility and a really intense, uh, high tempo. Uh, team to watch, which is uh, not usual for Italian yeah. football. I mean, there, there is this idea that uh, Atalanta, the system is king, where he seems to be able to. You, we mentioned all the players that they've lost. He f- just finds these players, put them back in, and nothing changes. But when you when you then take Galliardini out, put him in that inside, does he perform to the expectation that was met? Uh, Atlanta, no. To some extent, it's the same with Kessie, even though Kessie's having a better season. Um, so you know that's that's why Pitcassi, the the owner of Atlanta, is the only guy we can't transfer. Is Gasparini. Well, applause for Atalanta then. Up after this, we're going to be talking about the old man of the old lady. My name, as if you didn't know, is James Horncastle. And although I keep my hair long, I like to keep my beard short. And when it comes to shaving, I insist on Cornerstone. Cornerstone takes all the hassle out of shaving. You'll never run out of blades again. Just let them know how often you shave and they'll take care of the rest. Get £10 off your first order and find out more about your perfect shave box at cornerstone.co.uk forward slash totally. Mr. Bombastic We want a bombastic, romantic, fantastic lover Shaggy Mr. Lover, Lover Mr. Lover, 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 Girl. Mr. Shaggy, number one in Italy in November 1995, a simpler time when Blackburn Rovers were the reigning champions of England. Deli Alley hadn't been born, and I was approaching the Ennio Tardini for a live match on Channel 4. Uh, it was Palmer against Milan. Milan unquestionably at the time, the best team in the world. And uh, they were taking on a Palmer side who just lost their number one, Luca Bucci. To injury, Butchi, who despite being about five foot four, was actually surprisingly effective between the posts. And Nevio Scala, the famed Palmer manager, now had a bit of a decision to make. 
whether to go with which of his backup keepers to go with. He chose, to everyone's enormous surprise, a 17-year-old and told him about it the day before. So he wasn't particularly worried about stressing him out. Lo and behold, Gigi Buffon made his first ever Serie A start against the likes of Baggio, George Ware, Zvonimir Boban. He kept a clean sheet and thus the legend was born. Do you remember that, Richard? I do. Yeah, yeah I remember it well. Um, it, because the legend... Um took off from there as well and uh, we actually played Atalanta played Parma not long afterwards in the Primavera uh, where if I'm not wrong Bucci got back in uh, as was uh, naturally going to be the case because he's a very good goalkeeper and Buffon turned up for a Primavera game um, against Atalanta uh, I was still in the changing room at the time and I was on the bench in this game but the boys were all commenting on the fact that he was looking at the, the grass on the pitch with his mobile phone out which oh, was he had a, a mobile phone? Got, yeah he did yeah. So this, is, this is the real deal this guy he's got a mobile phone <laughs> kept a clean sheet in that game so the legend was uh, you know this this guy with a mobile phone in his, uh, in his teens uh, who was going to be uh, the best thing since um, well, whoever else um, Zoff Zoff yeah, yeah. absolutely um, and, and at the time there weren't many of these legends, social media wasn't there, so it was a bit like you, you heard about Andrea Pirlo, mm. uh, you heard about Alessandro Nesta, you knew about Francesco Totti by then because he'd already broken through, but you heard about Gianluigi Buffon. And it's not as if everyone talked about 20, 30, 40, Richard Hughes didn't get a mention, it, it was actually focused on four to five yeah. f- uh, future World Cup winners, and uh, it's fair to say they got it right in all those cases. Well, there's yeah. a great anecdote about um, Buffon shortly after he moved to Parma, um, and Hermes uh, Fulgoni, the goalkeeper coach there, um, looks at his 14-year-old Buffon, sees his talent and basically says, you know, by the time you're 20, you're going to be starting every week in Serie A. And Buffon turned to him and just said, what am I going to do until then? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't start regularly that first season. No, but... although he did start the next three games, which were against Juventus, wow. Napoli and Lazio and Inter. So, I mean, he had quite the... Uh, I mean, not not the softly, softly right. will uh, put what, you in the shallow end. And you can yeah, what an extraordinary like way to begin. Yeah. Equally, his Italy debut was very much in at the deep end. Half an hour in and an absolutely crucial World Cup qualifying match away in Moscow. Yeah. With the scoreline nil-nil, I think, at the time. Mm. Gianluca Pagliuca gets injured. It's about minus 15. And again, bizarrely, I happened to be there because <laughs> Channel 4, we, we showed that game. Uh, it was the biggest audience I think they ever had for Italian football was about five and a half million Uh, so we were there myself and Joe Jordan uh, shivering away in those kind of funny Russian hats and watching uh, what turned out to be a 1-1 draw but again a fantastic performance there in the snow uh, for Gigi Buffon yeah crucial save from uh, Dmitry Elenichev and uh, when he came on in the 32nd minute I think it was he trots over and uh, Costa Curta turned to him and just said uh, yeah, be cool, be cool, okay? And uh, Buffon said, oh, you be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, just those two hours, just see how composed he was, how sure of himself he was. Even, what, 17 when he's made his debut, 19 when, when, he, when, he, when he played for Italy. Mm. So, incredible, really. That debut for, for, for Palmer, I always like to look back at the, the lineups. Alongside Gigi, in that Palmer team, you had, uh, okay, Roberto Mussi, Ben Arrivo, Fernando Coto, you remember him? The kind of hair bear bunch uh, Portuguese fellow. Roberto Sensini was less uh, follically endowed. <laughs> Fabio Cannavaro, before he made his uh, evil move to Turin. Uh, Massimo Wait. Crippa. Ooh, you did not exactly. want to. No, you didn't. No. Uh, Napolitano. And his, uh, yeah, he had to help with that clean sheet, didn't he, with that back five. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good defence. Also Dino Baggio. Gianfranco Zola. Course. Yeah. was in that uh, Palmer side, as was Christo Stoichkov. 
What kind of lineup is well, that? Well, this is the thing. They had Palmer had Stoichkov, who was the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. And then Milan had Baggio and Weyer. Damn. So Baggio had won the Ballon d'Or and Weyer was about to win the Ballon like d'Or. Like a month later. Yeah. And the great thing with, with Parma is you look at the bench that they had at that time. Yeah. They could even afford to keep out the team Pippo Inzaghi and Tino Aspria, which is insane. <laughs> mm. If you're wondering where Thomas Brolin was, he was in Leeds. He'd moved about a month earlier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, okay, that, that was Parma's lineup. But now have a listen to Milan's. You mentioned one or two of them. Seb Rossi. Christian Panucci, Paolo Maldini, Dimitri Albertini, Billy Costa and Franco Baresi. Pretty good. Stefano Aragno. Uh, ooh, Desai. Good Lord. Giovanni Boban, we mentioned. Roberto Baggio. And also available for them that year, Paolo Di Canio, Gigi Lentini, Savicevic, and a young Patrick Vieira. <laughs> Not bad. It was a top-of-the-table clash as well. Can you imagine throwing in a 17-year-old in a top-of-the-table clash? Just the stuff of dreams. Really. It absolutely yeah. was. All right, well, all these years on, and he turns 40 this this Sunday, and there was a lovely tribute from the Gazette de la Sport who composed a, an 11 of number ones from de- various different professions. They had everyone from Giorgio Armani uh, to uh, Raffaella Carra. Of course. Who's yeah. now about 75 or something. And bizarrely, of course, being the Gazette, they had to put them in a, like a, a formation. They put her in goal. <laughs> extraordinary. Um, anyway... Uh, anyway, there's so many numbers we could celebrate here. The, the most important, the fact that he won the World Cup, which I guess goes a long way to explaining why he's so popular. But the weird thing is that even before that, despite the fact that he played for Juventus, which doesn't generally win you too many hearts and minds, he is possibly the most popular player and always kind of has been one of the most popular players in Italy. What, what do you think that is? I think he carries himself very well in the media mm. and, and he's very honest, uh, self critical as well of, of himself and his his, uh, his teammates and his club at times when he feels that they've stepped out of line so I think that's uh, that's helped him be an iconic figure for, for the nation and seen as uh, Italy number one not exclusively as a, a Juve number one I think that's the main reason isn't it James? That's... Yeah definitely I think he transcends his club I mean he now seems to be very statesmanlike. You know, when he speaks, people listen. Mm. Um, you know, he never wastes a word. And I think there's a lot of curiosity as to what he does next. Because at the moment, as we saw against Atlanta, he's, it's not the same as with Totti, for example, where Totti's at 14. You can see the game's past him now. With Buffon, he's still playing at a very high level. Mm. Um, and I think he is thinking twice about uh, retiring in, in the summer. And but after that, I think he will he will serve a role either as a director at Juventus or, I mean, at the moment we had the election for the president of the Italian Football Federation. Couldn't decide on anyone. Right. It'll probably still be open by the time he retires in a couple and of I years. Think, to be honest. I think Buffon would be a great person to have. Well, that role. yeah. Other things about him, as you say, he's honestly very down to earth guy. Very very friendly. Always has a chuckle. Mm. Went down when everybody else left. He went down to Serie B with. Juventus, which I think is something that really marks him out. He could have gone, he had a big offer from Milan. Uh, he could have made a move, I'm sure, to a number of other clubs as well. His famous quote at the time was, sure, I've never won City B, so I'll stick around and do that. <laughs> and he explained later, you know, I believe that loyalty is an important thing and I wanted to demonstrate that it's not just words, that it's, a, it's an important spirit that we should, we should keep alive in, in the game of football. As a goalkeeper, though, where would you rank him in in all the great keepers of the, of the world, Richard? At his best, the best that I saw. At his best. Um, I, I, even though James is, is perfectly correct in saying that he's still at a very high level, uh, we'd all agree that, that his best days are, are, are behind him. Um, 
But when uh, I think you're going back to what year are you going back for his very best performances, mid turn of the century, mid yeah. noughties, um, at the very best. I mean, I don't, I don't can't think of anyone. Schmeichel was over here, was uh, very highly regarded at the time. But Buffon had uh, had everything. Um, the one thing that I think uh, I really admire him for, amongst all the other things that uh, you mentioned from a character point of view, is how he had to learn to use his feet right and and uh, because he would have grown up in an era where he didn't have to deal with passbacks etc and he's not the most um, gainly looking with the ball at his feet but he actually will play in a footballing team a team mm. that wants to play out the back sometimes too much so like the Juve team in, that, that tried to win the Champions League in vain for years and years uh, uh, in the last decade or so but he's had to he's had to learn this from scratch really and he's not made to do it he's not made to to play outfield you can tell that when he would have been a kid diving around the park he would have been a goalkeeper not an outfielder actually I believe he started as a midfielder he right? must have been a bad yeah, one he did his idol uh, before it was Thomas and Kono uh-huh. and he, he named his one of his kids Thomas after uh, the do you Cameroon know who the other kid is named after David yeah after no. David Lee Roth Oh really? Yeah, yeah out, of, out of Van Halen. Yeah, another reason to love Gigi. Yeah, so when he, when he was a midfielder, was uh, his idol was Nicola Berti. Ah, um, but um, I mean, this is a guy who had sort of uh, very good genes because his mom, I think, still holds the Italian record for the discus. His dad was a shot putter. His dad's cousin was, um, I think, Lorenzo Buffon, who mm. played for uh, Milan in the what fifties and sixties, won won the league title there four times, and. Uh, yeah, those early days, he just to be—he seemed to be so explosive. Mm. Um, there was nothing he couldn't get to. He was very quick off his line. Um, whereas after the kind of back injury, I think that he suffered in 2010, which seemed to really be the end of his career. Um, you look at Casillas, for example, he was four years his junior, um, and Casillas' decline has been very sudden. You could have expected the same for Buffon at that time, just in 2010, warming up for the first game against Paraguay at the World Cup has a herniated disc. Um, he's out, I think, for six months. Casillas wins the World Cup, and yet Buffon, I think then, his game slightly changed. He became someone who was more about reading the game, mm. uh, positional sense, than he was in the time where his athletic ability used to used to be the main thing for him. I think consistency is the, the remarkable thing. He has been at times the best in the world, but if you look at consistency, I don't think there's a goalkeeper who can match the 20 years or so that we've had. No. Of him consistently, apart from you know one or two little slumps, consistently um, you know, in the conversation as being uh, one of the best well, goalkeepers in the world. Only two years ago, he broke that uh, Sebastiano Rossi's record. Right, he went sixteen hours without conceding. This <laughs> is yeah, and although as Richard points out, he did have some help with with the players in in, in front of him. But well, so did Sebastiano Rossi. That is very true. Yeah. That is very true. When you look at also the greatest Buffon saves of all time. And I know there's a slight kind of recency bias mm. uh, on on this, but there are saves not long ago that you would you would put in there. There's a there's an amazing stop on a German backheel from Euro 2016 that I think certainly rates a, a mention. Do you, what other great Buffon saves would you have in second game for Italy? Uh huh. Friendly against Paraguay in Parma. Ah, unbelievable save. The ball looks like it's already past him, and he claws it. I don't know how. I mean, it, that for me feels like it's Buffon's kind of Banks moment, really. And you have to see it in real time. When you slow it down, you thought, okay, but when you see it in real time, yeah, it's, it's like, unbelievably how is that quick. Mm. The Paraguay players are all with their head in their hands. Yeah. People in Zaga with his head in his hands after the save in the 2003 Champions League final at Old yeah. Trafford. Adolf, first touch took him a little bit wide. Oh, wow. 
Inzaghi wondering how that didn't go in. And that's the answer. Buffon. You mentioned saves. I mean, it takes something very special um, to beat Buffon. All right. And some of the goals he's conceded. Well, are... you've prepared a little list, haven't you, James? Yeah. All right. I mean, well, these, these are pretty amazing, actually. Um, in no particular order, then, here are uh, James Horncastle's nominations as the best ones to beat Buffon. Shall we start with Ibrahimovic, Euro 2000? Melberg's in there. Freddie Lundberg goes over the goalkeeper. Has got this, got in! It's Ibrahimovic! Gravity. I mean, that's that's his taekwondo coming into effect to, to be able to lift his foot that high and beat Buffon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the classic Roberto Mancini back here of Lazio against Parma. Mm-hmm. The Almeida screamer you've written here. I can't remember that. Which one's this? The volley from about 45 yards. <laughs> <laughs> which no one no one expects him to hit and all of a sudden by the time you by the time you do it's it's past Buffon in the top corner speaking of which Shevchenko's goal for Milan against Juventus Buffon afterwards said, uh, he told me it was a cross. And then Shevchenko said, what? I was only joking. Of course it wasn't a cross. You actually do see him look just before he hits it. Whether he's looking for someone to cross it to, we don't know. Right. It is a remarkable collection of goals there. Mm. I mean, some of the the most famous goals, it it would rank as a collection, as you say, of, of the best goals of the last 20 years or so. Yeah. I mean, one player who people perhaps don't know, who who probably at his age never thought Buffon was going to turn out to amount to anything, is Darren Eady. Darren Eady was playing uh, for the England under-21s against the Italy under-21s, I think in 96, at Bristol City's ground. Mm. And uh, Buffon comes charging off his line, completely misjudges this bouncing ball. It goes over him. Uh, Eady chases it down to the byline. Buffon thinks it's gone out um, uh, out of play, but it's not. And Eady completely humiliates him. One, one of the worst goals that uh, Buffon's ever conceded. Right. So, yeah. It's a lovely tribute, this to Gigi. <laughs> no, yeah. Honest, it's honest the alternative it. tribute to right. Gigi, yeah. Do you think he's going to retire at the end of this season? I'm not so sure anymore. Um, and I think he'll... Uh, Andrea Agnelli, the president, he's very close to. He's the godfather of uh, one of Agnelli's kids. And I think, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because we've seen Agnelli before push Del Piero out the door. But I think the bond between him and Buffon is certainly much stronger um, than the one he had with Del Piero. Yeah. Still the most expensive goalkeeper of all time? Or has Edison stolen that mantle? No, I think adjusted for inflation it still is. Oh, okay, That's not quite the same. Yeah. There was a lot of talk when Edison moved that finally that... I mean, that that record has stood for a long, long time, since 2001. Same summer that, um, that Juve sold Zidane. And Inzaghi, and they ended up buying Buffon, Churam, Nedved, and uh, Marcelo Salas. Right. Dino Badger. <laughs> yeah. I think Dino Badger, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, then. Excellent. Well, that's Gigi Buffon, then. Well, it's going to be awful when he retires, though, when he finally hangs up his bill. I mean, it was bad enough 
the likes of Pirlo and Totti, but when Buffon goes, Rich, it's going to be awful. Yeah, it is. It is the last of that. Can you bring him to Bournemouth or something? Uh, uh, gladly, yeah. Who, uh, Asmir and Arta won't take me for We'll bring him to watch a game. Yeah, that, that's a safe thing to say. Um, I, think he, I think he'll go on for a, a little bit of time, yeah. I think if Italy had gone to the World Cup, I think this could have been uh, his last year. Right. I just think he's been he's been so good, so icon- he deserves to go out on a high. And right. even if Juve... Um, I suppose if they won the Champions League, that would be um, uh, them going out high. But I, I just think he deserves to go out at the very top with a with a, with a proper bang. All right. Like, uh, they have they have Spurs, of course, coming out. We'll talk about talk about that more perhaps next week. But you think because of the the World Cup's not there as a as a stage for the Nile, he'll hang on for the, the Nations League then. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. I think uh, I think he deserves to as well to go. I think as we we we've portraying him as a as a national figure rather mm. than the, a, a club one. I think it would be fitting. I think if his last game in uh, in hopefully football at all. I don't want him to go and sort of go to the MLS or anything like that. I want him to to go out playing for Italy and winning the the, the Nations League. Or something. <laughs> or something. Very nice. Richard, thank you so much for taking time out of transfer deadline day of all things to, to be with us today. And I'm That's sorry how we... quiet we are. And, uh, <laughs> and so, of course, but it's a pleasure. Oh, it would be delightful to have you back again next time you're in town. Anytime, uh, absolutely. We, we'll be doing another Golazzo next Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, your suggestions are always welcome as, as to what you'd like to talk about. Send us a tweet at The Totally Football Show. Find us on Facebook, also at The Totally Football Show. But for the moment, many thanks for joining us today, Richard and James Horncastle, and you, listener. We'll see you in a week's time. For now, from all of us here, it's Arrivederci. You've been listening to Golazzo, the totally Italian football show. It's a Muddy Knees Media production, and for sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. And make sure you check out our other podcasts, The Totally Football Show and The Totally Football League Show. Totally Football Show.